Hello and welcome to the Fertility and Femtech podcast, brought to you by Zonas, where we aim to educate you on all taboo topics in women's health. You can learn more on our YouTube channel or at yourzonas.com. Hi everyone, I am Dr. Ravina, NHS doctor specialised in women's health and I'd like to welcome you to this dedicated channel for women's health. Today we have a really special guest and that is Dr. V. She is a cosmetic formulator for Skin of Colour and today we will be talking about how skincare can be affected during pregnancy and Dr. V will be giving us her top tips on how to protect your skin during pregnancy. Now, if you're new here, we'll be talking all about women's health. If you have any questions, feel free to drop them in the comments below for Dr. V, if you wanna know more about skincare, and we're happy to do more videos, and also any women's health questions in the comments down below. You can also check us out on our podcast, Fertility and Femtech. Okay, let's dive straight in. Okay, so our first question for Dr. V is, how does our skin change during pregnancy and what should we be aware of when we go through pregnancy in terms of our skincare? Okay, so the big one is darkening of certain areas. Mm. So the areolas darken, nipples darken, mm. underarms can darken, the intimate private areas can darken. Okay. Um, and then we also get linea nigra, so the line that goes from the belly button down to the pubic bone. Yeah. Uh, which is That's where, just... you, where you get the six pack? Yeah, the six yeah, pack. That, that line. That line. Yeah. <laughs> it's a whole new line. <laughs> and then the other one is we get melasma, so we yeah. get patches on the skin. Mm. So what happens is when estrogen and progesterone increase during pregnancy, it stimulates your melanocyte stimulating hormone, mm. which basically activates the melanocyte, the cell that produces the pigment melanin okay. and so those cells become hyperactive yeah. and in certain areas that would make sense the areola for example to mm. help with breastfeeding mm. uh, for the baby to find the nipple yeah. that would make sense yeah. on the cheeks however it you know it just seems to be a byproduct of it mm. um, and it could potentially just resolve by itself after pregnancy that can yeah. happen too um, but I think there are certain things that if you are predisposed to melasma, as I was, I had melasma before I had my children, so I had to be extra cautious during pregnancy because I knew if I wasn't careful, it was going to amalgamate. So tiny little cute freckles become big patches, which then spread across the face. And that can be really traumatic when already your body is going mm. through so much. Mm. Um, so there are certain things we can do to protect ourselves. So do those sort of, those patches, do they go after pregnancy or are they there? Do they get darker? Like how, what are the nature of these patches that you get? So there's no guarantee either way. Okay. Often they can resolve by themselves, mm. in which case that's fine. But if you haven't really taken any steps to prevent them getting worse, they can also get worse. And then they're very difficult to treat later. And so I always err on the side of caution, especially with skin of color, where mm. we are prone to hyperpigmentation. I, I would just leave it to fate. Fine, yeah. okay. So you mentioned that, you know, skin of color are slightly more at risk. Is it that they're more likely to get melasma or is it just anyone who gets pregnant has that risk? What, how does it look in terms of the female population? Who is more at risk? Yeah, it's an excellent question. Mm. Skin of color have larger melanocytes. Those are cells that produce the pigment melanin. Mm -hmm. So I always say on my YouTube channel, one scratch, one bite or one burn and we mm. hyperpigment. Mm. This doesn't happen to Caucasian skin. So it's because of how reactive our melanocyte is 
leads to how likely are we are to get hyperpigmentation. Mm. Now, I think there's a little bit of confusion also for Europeans because for Europeans, they also have skin of color. They may not identify as a person of color, which is a different term completely, but having skin of color means you're more likely to get melasma. Mm. And you'll see in Europe with olive skin tones, yeah. light brown eyes, um, light brown hair, yeah. they also have melasma. And that's the reason is because the melanocytes are easier to trigger. And so they have to also be more careful. Fine, okay, so is there any reason why skin of colour have more reactive melanocytes? Or is it something we're just born with? Born with? Like, what, why is it? Yeah, it's an odd one. It's, yeah. We actually have all have the same number of melanocytes, okay. but the size of our melanocytes are different. So Caucasian skin have tiny little melanocytes yeah. that are very difficult to trigger. No matter what you do, you can't trigger them. You can peel that top row skin, burn the skin, do what you want, and they just Nothing. Okay. <laughs> Just, <Lucky> no one. <laughs> and then yeah. us, yeah. literally, you could have one little mosquito bite that comes yeah. and sucks your blood, and then you're just left with that brown mark. And for decades, that mark is not going. Okay. It just is the way our skin reacts, and this is why skin of color needs to be more careful right. than Caucasian skin. Often, treatments that work for Caucasian skin are not great for skin of color. Okay, so that's super interesting. So we know why skin of color are more likely to have pigment and suffer from melasma during pregnancy. So what what can we do? What can we do to prevent this for our women that are getting pregnant? I think the key is in the question mm. and the word is prevention. Prevention is always mm. going to be better than cure, yeah. but we're not good at it. As humans, we tend to go through the problem and then we think, how can we fix the problem? We don't yeah. tend to think, how do I stop the problem in the yes. first place? Because we're yeah. busy doing other things. But with this, I would say it's very simple. We want to opt for a mineral SPF 50, so a zinc oxide-based sunscreen, not a chemical sunscreen, because during pregnancy, chemical sunscreens enter the bloodstream, your urine, and breast milk. Uh, and that's why I tend to recommend mineral sunscreens for my children, for family, friends, for myself, even if mm -hmm. I'm not pregnant. Mm -hmm. um, but especially when you're pregnant, we recommend mineral sunscreen for that reason. So look for zinc oxide. Not, but I would say about 85 to 90% of sunscreens are chemical sunscreens. Right, and when okay. you go to a local drugstore, 99% are chemical sunscreens. There are right, very okay. few mineral sunscreens. So how do we know? So you know, you're yeah. walking down the aisle, going on holiday, you want to get your sunscreen. It, will it say chemical sunscreen? No. How do we? How can we differentiate, how do differentiate? Between, between knowing, okay, this is actually going to protect me and this perhaps isn't yeah. so good for me? Exactly. Okay, so really there's only two main um, mineral filters. One is zinc oxide, one is titanium dioxide. Okay. Zinc oxide by far is the most uh, common. Yeah. You're looking at about 17% uh, plus of zinc oxide for it to be a mineral sunscreen. In addition, you want to make sure there's no other chemical filters because often what happens is you get a hybrid where you have mineral plus the chemical and okay. then they sort of just push up, oh look, it's got loads of zinc in it, but you are not reading that it's got all the other chemical mm -hmm. filters too. Yeah. So I would actually look for the words 100% mineral, mineral sunscreen, okay. not just mineral sunscreen, it has to say 100% mineral sunscreen. So that's really interesting. So in terms of the chemical sunscreens, you said like 99% of those in the market, yeah. in the supermarket will have the chemical. What keywords should we be looking for for the chemical sunscreen? Yeah. Um, so zinc oxide, we want to have lots of it. Yeah. And what was the second one that you said? So, and titanium dioxide. And titanium dioxide. So what keywords should we be looking for to avoid? So there are a hundred chemical oh, filters. Goodness. Okay. And they have the long names. <laughs> that so no that nobody knows, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, octanoxate, like 
the long chemical names that are, those are chemical filters um, and they tend to be you know six seven eight syllables long um, so you won't be able to you won't recognize them um, I think it's best just to see does it say 100% mineral so here for example we've got Inzinkable so this is the sunscreen that I made uh, for skin of color so it's a mineral sunscreen usually sun mineral sunscreens come out white on the skin and I wanted to make an invisible one but if you look at the packaging on the side it will tell you what percentage zinc oxide you're getting in the package um, and it should say um, here it says mineral physical sunscreen okay. so the other word is physical sunscreen uh, physical okay fine yeah so basically what you want is you want to put on a quarter of to half a teaspoon on the face um, and you want to dot it around the face so that you have even um, even layer right. because that's what you're try trying to do with sunscreen is you mm. don't want it all rub it to your, in your hands mm. and then put it on your face because you're mm. not going to get the right quantity quantity is essential okay. um, and also you want to make sure that it's aesthetically pleasing so you mm. want something that is going to blend into your skin so that you don't see that white cast if you don't like it you're not going to wear it mm. uh, so that's really key um, the other couple of things I'd recommend is you want a wide brimmed hat yes. that's really important mm. you don't want direct sunlight it will worsen your melasma mm. seek shade mm. um, and when you go out if you want to exercise do it either in the morning or in the evening when you've got lower UV index and the other big one is having large anti-melasma sunglasses to protect you it's literally a physical barrier mm. that prevents UV from hitting the skin mm. so those are the key things to prevent okay. melasma during pregnancy which are completely safe for you to be doing so that's really interesting because we never, like as a healthcare professional, when I see my pregnant patients, we never really dwell on melasma really? and we never really dwell on skincare issues because our priority is always mother's health, baby's health. Right. And one of the key things that we look for is ensuring that the mother has good amount of vitamin D. Okay. So vitamin D you get from the sunlight and most um, women in this country, even men, yes. don't have enough vitamin D because yeah. it's just not sunlight. Yeah. Although today it's beautiful. Yeah. But majority of the year there's just not enough sunlight to yeah. absorb it. And now specifically for skin of colour, mm. it's even harder yeah. because we have, as I said, melanocytes, we have pigmented skin. So absorbing the sun is even harder. And so we actually advise patients yeah. to take vitamin D, yeah. not so, only yeah. um, you know uh, when you're pregnant, but yeah. even otherwise because Correct, it can yeah. cause tiredness. So it's yeah. really like Absolutely. that perfect balance of you want to protect the skin, but you need the vitamin D not only for your health, your tiredness, all those symptoms you can get, but for your baby's development. Correct. So you need to actually make sure you're supplementing, yeah. but also protecting Correct. the skin. Correct. So even when I produced Collagen Boost, so I created a supplement collagen drink, I made sure I put in vitamin D because it's specifically for skin of colour and skin of colour who live in, Caucasian, in uh, Western countries tend to have less um, UV hitting the skin and are getting less vitamin D. Mm. And so this is why actually you'll find a lot of people, cohort will complain of joint pain, um, mood disruption, uh, low moods, whereas when they go to a hot country, they're mm. suddenly really happy, everything's yeah. functioning properly. Yeah. Um, so vitamin D vitamin really D. is And essential. make sure you're, you're getting the right quantity. So if, even if you're having a multivitamin, make sure that you're telling your doctor so we can make sure you get the right yeah. quantity for your baby's development. Okay, that's amazing information. That is super useful. Um, so the next question that we want to ask you are, during pregnancy, are there any specific ingredients that we should be avoiding in our skincare regime? So any particular actives that aren't um, that aren't safe and quite harmful for our pregnancy? So unfortunately, a lot of the ingredients uh, that mm. we use for pigmentation, mm. we can't use during pregnancy. Oh. Typical. I know, I know. <laughs> and also, so I'm going to go through it in a second, but also the other big one is acne and anti-aging. So again, a lot of the ingredients that we would want for acne 
we shouldn't use during pregnancy and for anti-aging we also shouldn't use during pregnancy. So the key ones to look for would be vitamin A which basically you can use for all three, uh, you know, for anti-aging, for, for pigmentation and for acne yeah. you can't use during pregnancy. So that's like your number one first line of defense for any of these you can't use. Uh, the next one is hydroquinone, which is considered gold standard for pigmentation, so you need to avoid that. And also alpha arbutin, and that again is, you know, the best seller at the ordinary, 2% alpha arbutin for pigmentation, you shouldn't be using that during pregnancy. The other big one is of course chemical sunscreens, which we've already touched on, so you want to avoid that. Um, and then for acne, and for acne it would be antibiotics such as tetracycline or benzoyl peroxide, which you would want to also stay clear of. So then the next question is, but Dr. V, so you basically said we can't use anything, you know, what should we be using? And I would say the safe um, anti-pigmentation ingredients would be things like niacinamide, which is excellent for also for acne, also anti-aging, glow, uh, glowy skin and pigmentation. Uh, you want to be using green tea extract, you want to use azelaic acid, uh, tranexamic acid is also excellent for pigmentation and the new one that we're discussing is Bacuccio, so it's quite a good alternative to vitamin A, uh, use it at about 1% and there's, there are many many serums on the market that have those ingredients in it, so um, those are safe ingredients that will give you a healthy skin barrier. That's interesting because we give benzoyl peroxide and tetracyclines for acne and people may be using this for years and years and years and not think to actually address it when you become pregnant. So it's really important that whatever you're taking, you you know, you let your doctor know about it and you have that discussion about what's actually safe to use for you, your baby, your skin uh, during pregnancy. Okay, so the final question is um, also related to skin changes during pregnancy. And as your tummy grows, and as your body grows, and you're, you're, you know, you're holding a baby, many women notice stretch marks. And this is something that can come, it can go, but sometimes it doesn't go, and it can be a lasting thing that affects many women's body and their confidence post-pregnancy. So how can we deal with stretch marks? Okay, so this is honestly one of the probably most common questions I get asked, and again, prevention is better than cure here. Yeah. Honestly, it really is, because what's happened is, when the abdomen is stretching rapidly, you get fault lines in the dermis, which essentially uh, crack and can't produce collagen fast enough to um, to prevent that uh, separation. Mm. And so what you see are first angry tiger red marks, uh, which then later turn into white silvery stretch marks. So there are a few things that we can do. Uh, number one, uh, a product I love is called Secret Savior Belts. It's one that I use, and this is also non-sponsored. Okay. Um, it disperses the pressure around the entire abdomen rather than putting pressure on simple fault lines, and so you're not less likely to, to get stretch marks. The second thing I'd recommend is sweet almond oil um, on the abdomen straight after a bath. So I would avoid creams. Creams, they because of the water content of creams, it evaporates and isn't as effective as oils. Plus, no one really likes to wear cold creams after the shower. <laughs> like that. No one likes that. But you're happy to put a nice oil on yeah. when your skin is still damp. Yes. And the last uh, one is collagen. So I would recommend eight to 10 grams of marine collagen yeah. uh, because what is a stretch mark? Mm -hmm. It's basically uh, collagen that's not forming fast enough. Yeah. And so you want to be ingesting the amino acids to remake collagen. Um, which is something I think we didn't discuss that much about 10 years ago, but it's something that I would now recommend for the next generation. 
that's interesting because what we've taught, what we've been taught in medical school in terms of how our body and our skin works is that you can't actually control how much collagen you have. You're just born with it, right? So like some people have more wrinkles than others. And this is something that has more and more research going into it and it is a growing field. Um, but it's interesting that now we can perhaps actually ingest it and that can perhaps have an effect on our skin and you know stopping those sort of the fault lines that you're talking about because obviously our skin is just a barrier and it does depend on the protein and amino acids we have in it so so that's interesting that perhaps by drinking it you're saying we could actually perhaps help those stretch marks from the absolutely it's like drinking protein right it's like when you go to the gym and you you have basically torn your muscle fibers when you drink protein you are helping to those fibers faster that's what it is you're just you're giving your body what it needs at a time that it needs it okay and don't forget we lose one percent collagen every year from 21 mm. onwards so oh, i'm almost 40 years old and i've lost you, you, don't, you don't have wrinkles but yeah i'm like 20 percent down on collagen that i was at 20 and so you know you're one fifth down and collagen is the most abundant protein of the body's hair mm. skin nails joints everything mm-hmm. um, and it's no it's not to say when you drink collagen it's going to go directly to your skin mm. it could go to your joint but that's where it's needed body. yeah okay so if you're someone who maybe doesn't eat enough uh, protein doesn't mm. count how many grams of protein they're eating per day yeah. who doesn't eat meat um, mm. it might be worth you thinking about it yeah so that just brings you back to the core of your lifestyle and what you're doing on an everyday basis because we do need to have a healthy diet to yeah. get that protein in that not only helps the skin, but just helps your entire body. Yeah. Um, and of course, supplements can also help. So that's amazing. Was there anything else that we wanted to talk about? I feel like we covered it. We covered a lot, lot right? <laughs> we covered loads. But of course, if you have any other questions that you want to ask Dr. B, drop them in the comments below. If there's anything a bit more personal that you don't want to make public, of course, direct message me on Instagram at Dr. And so we will see you for our next video. Feel free to like, subscribe and share with all those important women around you because we want to educate the nation of our important women in our lives. Okay, thank you so much. Until next time, take care. Bye. Bye.